0: In this roundtable discussion, I am joined once again by my sister Kay Kellum. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Pretty good. We are going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Avengers, and this is the one from 2012. We just rewatched that on Blu-ray as we're starting to get ready to watch uh, Age of Ultron in the next couple of days. So hopefully that uh, that'll pan out. We'll actually go watch it. We've been wanting to for uh, a week or two now. Just haven't had the time due to some stuff going on. But we hope to have an episode on that in short order, uh, maybe a week or two down the line. But we had seen this on DVD before. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember. Did we see this in the theater? I'm thinking we may not have. I Um, remember getting a hard time from some of our friends at uh, Comic-Con of, you haven't seen the movie? Are they going to let you in the building? Yeah. I'm like, well, I've read the comic for the last couple hundred issues. I hope so. Um, Sometimes it's just hard to get to the, the movie theater and stuff. And this was one that was just... I mean, it was a landmark film in many respects, one of the top grossing films of all time, deservedly so, Mm -hmm. and one of the few cases where they took a number of feature characters from different movies and successfully got them into an ensemble team.
1: Well, and I want to start by saying I really enjoy the film, but it was always pitched to me in the commercials and what everybody was saying, you know, Avengers assemble. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time we watched it especially, the first half to two-thirds of the film kind of grated on me as, why are they calling this Avengers Assemble when it should be Avengers Bicker? Well,
0: and they fight and, and stuff like that, but old school Marvel comics in particular, two heroes meet, they fight. I mean, the first time Hawkeye and Iron Man met in the comics, Hawkeye was a villain, so they did fight same with black widow and whenever you would have a team up not not even whenever you have a team up there have been comics over the decades when cap and iron man come to blows civil war was a most recent example or a recent example um actually there's one going on right now uh, leading up to um uh, was it leading up to secret wars i think it was but back in the armor wars days and stuff like that i mean those two going at it not An infrequent occasion. Matter of fact, one of the hallmarks for the longest time in the comics of the Fantastic Four and the Hulk is whenever he would show up, the Hulk and the thing would duke it out.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, and I guess because I went in expecting the the team and the ensemble experience, Mm -hmm. the fact that it took them so long to find their common purpose surprised me. And this time because I knew yeah, It's going to take them a long time to, to pull their stuff together and get their act together. And because I knew, because I was re-watching it, that these are guys who don't just need a rallying cry of do it for the greater good, but they seemed to need a personal investment.
0: They needed to get pushed to form the team. Yeah. And this was, uh, in the comics, they kind of just, All intercept a call and wind up at the same place to fight Loki. Um, here they are explicitly gathered by Shield, by you know Fury specifically, Coulson being a key player in that. And without Shield's involvement, you would not have Avengers. Yeah, that's kind of sort of how it happened in the Ultimate Universe, but not the way it originally happened in Marvel. And that you know that's fine. It makes sense. Um, it gave Nick Fury a a purpose in the story. Yeah. Um, As kind of the de facto uh, instigator of the team, if not really the leader of the team.
1: Well, I was going to say, he came across to me as kind of, I almost want to say sort of a conductor of this orchestra. Kind of the coach. Yeah.
0: What got me was Iron Man deferring to Captain America.
1: At times. At times. Well, yeah. At key times, but at times.
0: The fact he did it at all goes a little against that character.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, there was one scene in particular, (coughs) excuse me, I'm still getting over a cough. There was one scene in particular where Cap is challenging Iron Man Mm -hmm. just outright and saying, you know, go suit up. We'll fight it out. Go suit up. Go suit up. The plane gets attacked. They're knocked to the floor and suddenly it's, you know, it'd be a good idea if you went and suited up now so we could fight together. It's like,
0: go suit up, but a very different, so we can fight together, not... Each other.
1: Yeah. And it was that uh, that change in tone and that here, let me help you stand up, let me help you get out in the hallway. The well, whole change in body language and everything.
0: There was the implication that Loki's staff at that point was setting the Avengers at odds with each mm. other. But they never really came out and said that.
1: Well, and it was almost like a Loki's staff was feeding off of negative energy mm-hmm. and was I wanna say echoing it or enhancing it. And I really loved when Cap just points out to Banner, "Uh, you're holding the scepter? That's probably not good since you're about to lose your temper.
0: Yeah, you're already dangerous enough. Please put the weapon down. Yeah. It was a good balance of all the characters.
1: I loved the first scene with Black Widow.
0: They did a really good job reestablishing her character, setting the tone, the style. And just kind of like, okay, you go get the big guy. And she's like, oh, geez, that's, that's a big deal. You know, they used her to really set up Mark Ruffalo's Hulk character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it was a while before they really tell us who he is. I mean, we knew going in, but uh, her character was well set up. The Hulk was well set up uh, just within this movie. Cap got a lot of screen time. Iron Man did. Thor did. Hawkeye less so
1: Hawkeye's the neglected character of this series of movies and I don't just mean because he hasn't gotten his own movie
0: although that is part of it but he's always been a second fiddle character and for half the movie he was part of the bad guy team
1: well but he's gotten less screen time than even Black Widow who was in one of the Captain America movies uh,
0: one of the uh, Iron Man movies actually well she was in uh she was in Winter Soldier you're right yeah but she was introduced in uh, Iron Man 2.
1: Well, but I was thinking she was in a soldier, and Hawkeye wasn't. Yes. So yes. that right there is quite a difference in oh, the amount of screen time we had. A lot
0: more screen time than than Hawkeye. He was in Thor briefly.
1: I was gonna say just for seconds.
0: Yeah, almost a blink and you miss it. Yeah. But I don't think his character, and part of it's a lack of screen time, has been developed to the point where it's like, ooh, they really ought to give him one.
1: Yeah, and you know the flip side that's going back to just that one introductory scene. For Black Widow in this one was enough to have me saying, you know, I see why people are asking why hasn't she gotten her own movie.
0: Oh, absolutely. She would do both the the actress and the character would do fine on a a solo movie. Be a lot of fun. If they were to bring in any other characters, what I would do there is a kind of a cameo supporting role of uh, Mockingbird, Bobby Morris from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: Mm, That'd be nice. Mm -hmm. Maybe
0: Hunter as well. Yeah. To where it's like, okay, Black Widow's the main star, but she has to get something back to S.H.I.E.L.D. or some such. Those two guest star for a little bit, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they've got the right vibe. It would integrate it into the the TV part of the cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. It's one where, again, the fact they haven't given that character of Black Widow her own movie. I mean, there have been... I was reading... uh, I forget if it was on ICV2 or Comic Book Resources or Bleeding Cool or where... But there had been, uh, as part of the Sony leak, Mm -hmm. I think it was that, but there were uh, emails going back and forth on the female characters just don't sell, Catwoman, Elektra, others were kind of trotted out as as examples, you know, that the Marvel execs just don't have faith. And it's like, you know, maybe those weren't great films.
1: I was going to say- Do better. Yeah, you got to look deeper than simply- It was headlined by a female superhero and look at the quality of the script and the quality of the action that was given to it. I mean, just going back again to that one scene where they introduced Black Widow, even that fight sequence had you stop and go, wow, she can pull out the moves.
0: Well, and particularly with a director like Joss Whedon, who's so well known for shows like Buffy. Mm hmm. Uh, Dollhouse, both of which had very strong female leads. Mm -hmm. Uh, Firefly, uh, again, a lot of strong female characters. As a a director, as a writer, as a a, a storyteller, Joss Whitten really understands how to make those kinds of characters work in ways that clearly the people behind Elektra, Catwoman, and some of the other not-so-great examples. And it's not like those were horrible films.
1: No, but part of the magic for me of this film was each character when they came on for their first real scene, you got a strong sense of what makes this character unique mm-hmm. from the others. You know, with that scene with Black Widow, we saw her fighting people. We saw her sense of humor. We saw her interrogation style. Yes. And all of those things were things that you benefited from knowing later in the film. So it wasn't a throwaway scene in that respect?
0: Yeah. No, it played into the larger story and, again, set things up.
1: Yeah. And you came out of the scene with a sense of, I feel like I know her.
0: But it also did a lot for Phil Coulson's character.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Put her on the phone or i will blow up the block.
1: Yes. Yes. And I loved when they cut to him when she said, I'll need to put you on hold for a moment.
0: Yeah, he's hearing all the fights and he's like, all right, give it a sec. Uh, Again, um, he is such a – it's uh, uh, Clark Gregg.
1: Yeah, Clark Gregg.
0: For Coulson. Such a great actor. Did a great job here in the other films. Is doing a brilliant job, I think, on uh, Agents of Mm S.H.I.E.L.D. Kind of an understated, you know, kind of a a, a comedy, dry sense of humor there.
1: And that's a lot of what the movie needed, though. In terms of without that comedic relief. I think the movie would have, I don't want to say fallen flat for me, but it wouldn't have been nearly as good.
0: But comedic without being slapstick? Yes. It was kind of the (coughs) counterpoint that was needed in some places when you've got the Tony Stark character and some of these others that are very flamboyant and and, uh, not exaggerated, but colorful.
1: Well, and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Phil Coulson in so many ways represents all of us.
0: He's the everyman, very much so.
1: You know, he doesn't have the superpowers, but he's smart enough and capable enough to be there supporting them, and in awe enough of them to want their autographs because he knows what they're doing. He's
0: the fanboy. He's the guy trying to do right. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of living the dream of that kind of a mm-hmm. of a character, and he's uh, Shield agent. He, he's top notch or whatever, but he's not the Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. The the Black Widow, the Hawkeye, the, the mm-hmm. Captain America type. He's not the superhero. He's never going to be the type that you would dress up in a costume, put a mask on, and give him a code name.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But as Agent Phil Coulson,
2: mm-hmm.
0: he's awesome.
1: Exactly. And then you flip over to the TV show Shield, and you see his everyday life, you know? And you get to see that while he has those... Fanboy moments when he's off duty, when he's on duty, he's one hell of a guy. Well, he's a professional, and
0: we'd seen that throughout the movies. Exactly. But that's also where this was a turning point for the movies. He dies. Yes. He's not in any of the movies after, and I think there was a different tone as a result. Yeah. Uh, not better or worse, just different. Um, whereas he had very much been that glue that kind of tied everything together. hmm And was very much needed for that. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of places here where I think some of the Hydra stuff was very subtly set up. Mm-hmm. The phase two weapons and some stuff like that had the Hydra stuff on it. And it kind of shows, in hindsight, now that we've seen Winter Soldier or a few other things, how S.H.I.E.L.D. was able to, to have Hydra inside of it the whole time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And when we say spoilers, we mean a lot of spoilers. We're yeah, really. obviously talking about more than... Just the movie, but some stuff that have gone on past that.
1: Well, and Cap mentioned Hydra and stuff from his World War Two time frame yeah. during this movie.
0: Yeah. Um, there were a lot of good action sequences, great use of the helicarrier, uh, good use of the Quinjet. I mean, they set a lot of, not set up, but used a lot of things that were also in some of the other films. Yes. I think this was the first time we'd seen the helicarrier, though.
1: Yes, It's the first time I remember it, and uh, I loved uh, Banner's reaction when he first thought this is going to turn into a sub, oh, that's a great idea, put the Hulk on a sub. Yeah. And then realizes it's a helicarrier, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's worse.
0: Well, it's the first time in the Marvel stuff, I think, we saw the helicarrier. There was another helicarrier, too, actually, that we've seen before on TV, One was in the mid-90s Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV movie Mm. starring uh, David Hasselhoff. And they did a a decent job on the the helicarrier, as I recall. But then the other one that really knocked it out of the park was uh, during the David Tennant years of Doctor Who. They had (laughs) a two-parter with the Master. And Unit, their version of S.H.I.E.L.D., essentially, in that universe, Mm -hmm. had a helicarrier. Mm. So, I mean... Here we get a lot more of it. It's used pretty well. There are a couple of, oh, it's gonna crash. Let's go save the day. You know, a few things like that. But it was a it was a fun movie. And again, I liked how well balanced it was. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's you know Iron Man and the Avengers.
1: Well, and I liked how each of our heroes was respecting the strengths of the others. You. know what?
0: That was one of the things I really noticed during some of the fight sequences in New York. Hmm. There were things where, you know, it's like somebody would be flying through. Hawkeye would shoot somebody who was about to get Mm -hmm. them. Cut to, okay, they've just knocked into this other monster that's got the Hulk and Thor fighting on it. Hulk takes some shrapnel from something that just flew by, impales it in the thing. Thor hits it with a hammer. I mean, there was a lot of teamwork going Mm -hmm. on there.
1: They understood one another's strengths and used it and we were seeing that even earlier in the film like when uh, Tony Stark and uh, Banner Bruce Banner were working together in the lab mm-hmm. you know and they were uh, sliding things between one another's monitors yeah and stuff so there was definitely a recognition of who has what to bring to the table and there were a lot of things from the very first scene we had Captain America in where he was feeling still like this man out of time, and so many references go over his head. He still has so much to learn. He loses the ten dollar bet that his mind will be blown by what he has yet to see. And I, then- I
0: liked that bit when he's first getting, you know, pulled into action by by Fury. He's like, ah, oh. Fury's like, this world is even more unbelievable than you'd believe. I'll bet you ten bucks. He's like, I doubt it. You know, and then, you know, he gets to the helicarrier and just mm-hmm. hands him the 10 bucks. It's like, oh, okay.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: What I liked about how they gathered the team, though, is when Coulson goes to, to Iron Man, to to Tony, he's got a computer. Here's all the files. Go do your homework. Yes. When they recruit Cap, here's the, the, the paper file. Here's some background on these other people. Yeah. So by the time they meet, they know about each other.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In
0: some respects, sometimes less, sometimes more, but it allows them to go in with a, you know, nice to meet you, yet a sense of of familiarity mm-hmm. versus a bunch of exposition. Hi, I'm so and so. My expertise is whatever, mm-hmm. and that's something that as in in the comics is a huge writing crutch. You'll get the opening splash page, and you would have kind of that shot of them say on the uh, the the helicarrier deck. And you would have the caption, Captain America, World War II super soldier, you know, mm. Iron Man, yeah. you know, Armored Avenger, uh, Thor, Norse God, you know, that kind of a thing.
1: Puny God. Right? Pun- oh, that was Loki. That's Loki. I liked it. Speaking
0: of Loki, he was well used. Um, That's a character. They've mentioned Asgard a time or two on Once Upon a Time, mm. which is on ABC, is very Disney yeah. in many respects. It would be very interesting for his character to show up in Storybrooke. Mm. Maybe explicitly called Loki, maybe not. Yeah. But there's an aspect of his Loki and of the Stilskin character in Once Upon a Time. They, they're they both tricksters. They yes. would have crossed paths. Having some kind of mutual respect, just for him to come by, do a little for Rumpel and move on kind of a thing would be a nice kind of a tie-in.
1: Well, one of the things I really enjoyed in how they did Loki... Was when the Avengers were fighting on Earth early on, basically over who gets to have Loki. Yes. And we can see him in the distance, up on this ridge, just kind of watching the fight with the grin on his face,
0: just enjoying the the the, the you know, show, the show. Yeah, the the fighting going on, and again, good actor, uh, fun character, and the whole thing starts off with you know Thor stealing him off the Quinjet.
1: Yeah, and see, this is the point where I, both times, I was just so frustrated by the bickering of the Avengers. And what got me was they just leave Loki unattended on a wide open ridge. He can wander off. He can do anything. The
0: question is, your prisoner's been taken. You're Iron Man. You're flying by. Do you go punch the guy who took him? Or do you just grab your guy and run?
1: Do you go punch the guy who took him for 10 minutes? Yeah. Neglecting the guy. Okay.
0: There were aspects of that. And it took a
1: while.
0: On this viewing, I got a better sense of why Loki wanted to be captured, wanted them all on the helicarrier. Yes. To kind of, you know, set off the Hulk bomb, if you will.
1: Yeah, that was, yeah, I like that phrasing.
0: That was one that I didn't think (laughs) in my past viewings was as well sold to me at the time.
1: In the first viewing, I could tell Loki wanted to be there, but I could tell he wanted to be there because he didn't try and leave the ridge. It was either that or inept writing, and I didn't feel there was inept writing in the movie, therefore he must have wanted to be on there. He
0: clearly wanted to be on there, I just never got a good sense as to why and why he was ready to leave when he left.
1: He needed his spear, which they had. That too. So he had but they to- had it
0: because they captured him with it. Yeah. That yeah. was, I mean, it's yeah. the kind of thing that... It kind of makes sense. It kind of doesn't totally make sense. Yeah. That would be about the weakest part of the writing, though. Because, again, the characters are, are...
1: Well, Loki thought the Avengers were a team he needed to split up.
0: Given they weren't a team at the time. I, well, this yeah. goes this goes back to one of my other kind of gripes about the movie. Is when he's getting... Uh, Loki's getting interrogated by Black Widow. Is like, Hawkeye told me all about this. And there are other times, Hawkeye told me all about this. Hawkeye didn't talk that much, but apparently the minute he was taken over from Loki, he couldn't stop talking because he said a lot.
1: Yeah, but that's because he got a scepter to the heart. And I'm just saying, Tony Stark's lucky he doesn't have a heart anymore.
0: Yes, the uh, <laughs> the lack of a, uh, a heart and doing it with the arc reactor.
1: Yeah, that was funny.
0: Um, and again, that whole scene there in the the tower... Having a drink and all of that stuff gave those two kind of a good chance to to face off verbally. Which, of course, you know, the the Tony Stark character is... You gotta give him that chance.
1: Oh, the wisecracking side of Tony Stark was on display nicely. But going back to the fight in the forest, I was so frustrated with what felt like a fight just to put in a fight. I wasn't getting the point of it that when... Thor's hammer hit Captain America's shield and it made a long loud gongish sound and trees were destroyed but the fight was over i asked you if this was the gong show but
0: it was the you know immovable object and the irresistible force kind of a thing this was their chance to see how cap and you know thor would would face off how thor and iron man would face off We'd already gotten a little bit with that, with uh, with Cap and Iron Man and stuff. People wanted to see that. This was a way to do it in the story that kind of made sense without everybody having to get taken over. Yeah. I think it was better than if Tony or Thor or somebody had been taken over. Yeah. Bad enough
2: Hawkeye was.
1: Yes. Well, I I agree. I wouldn't want any of the heroes taken over. I just wish it had been a fight about a more logical misunderstanding. And I wish someone had been on the ridge with Loki, so yeah. it would have made sense to me why Loki was not a concern.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was something that could have been tighter, could have been better, but to me, it was not a a Achilles' heel. So.
1: Oh, it wasn't. It was just one of those, like I say, it was one of those Avengers bicker moments. It was a, when it was
0: a comic book trope.
1: Yeah, and see, because I don't read the comic books, I was looking for the assemble aspect of the movie.
0: Yes. And I wasn't getting it. It's interesting at no point did they ever assemble the Avengers literally. There were a couple of times where they could have used the the battle cry or something. Yeah.
1: Well, and during the Battle of New York, there were a few times where they kind of came together in a circle and they were all facing out. And there were some impressive moments like that during the battle.
0: What got me with that moment is if there was any kind of iconic chord or melody or something for the Avengers film, mm. that should have been playing right then. Yeah. One of the things I love about the the Super Sentai shows and the Power Rangers shows is when you get those kinds of fight scenes and you get that kind of a moment, you've got their theme song as their battle song kind of playing to the crescendo of, okay, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's um, – Uh, Back to the Future, when they're they're going uh, at the various key moments, you get to the Back to the Future theme going kind of a thing. It builds up the excitement. And thinking back on it, I mean, the soundtrack was fine. It was Mm -hmm, good. mm -hmm. It was invisible.
1: That's the thing, though. It just so blended with the movie that there are no standout moments where I say, wow, that was such great music.
0: Star Wars has the, the Star Wars theme. A lot of shows, by, uh, Back to the Future is a good example. Avengers, there's not that melody.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, there are certain times in Doctor Who, the doctor is just doing his thing. Again, the A-Team. Yes. Or or uh, Airwolf.
1: Well, and the A-Team had a specific song that they played, not just their theme, but another variation on it that they played when they were building.
0: They're building their tank of the episode kind yeah. of a thing. The A team is in the groove kind of a thing. Yeah. If they had had that kind of, of music, the Avengers are just, you know, taking names or whatever. They're, they're taking down all comers. That would have been cool. Yeah. Um, don't really expect that, but, and it wasn't, gosh, I think this was missing, but they could have really added another layer mm-hmm. of emotional aspect to the film, I think. hmm. Um, and again, I've seen it done so beautifully so many times. On television shows and stuff like that, that it's, ooh, you know, they're playing the doctor's music. He's, he's, yeah. he's giving it to the aliens either verbally or, or whatever. The action's kicking in. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because the big movie after this, I think that was surprisingly popular, was Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. And that was a movie where the soundtrack was integral to the story. Yeah. But that's something about that director. Mm-hmm. I think it was James Gunn. Versus Joss Wheaton,
2: mm-hmm.
0: who has done some good stuff with music in a couple episodes here and there in Buffy, but not in the same, not to the, the mm-hmm. iconic battle theme kind of a thing like well, I'm talking.
1: The flip side to that is Joss has less of a focus on music and more of a focus on those single lines of dialogue.
0: Oh, yeah. His characters have the wit, the wisdom, mm-hmm. the play of words without being... Cliche movie sound bites.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I loved Fury saying to one of the other characters, you know, "Let's just act on the assumption that the world will still be spinning tomorrow." Yeah,
0: it's gonna keep going until it doesn't, you know. Yeah, he's definitely Wheaton has a flair for writing. Uh, my understanding is not only has he been writing for. I mean, multiple of his own TV shows, but I think he also did stuff on Roseanne, other shows. His father, I think, was a, a writer in Hollywood. I think his grandfather was a writer in Hollywood. I mean, as far as I can tell, it is in his blood. Because not only just him, but he's got brothers and, and other people in his circle that have been with him for a long time. Um, Both in terms of his, his close relations, but also people he's worked with. Um, Jane Espenson and stuff mm-hmm. was one of the writers on Buffy and Angel. She's one of the lead writers I think on Once upon a time
2: mm-hmm.
0: and stuff like that. He's able to assemble a group of people that understand story, characters, trajectories, flow and how to how to get the, the best out of the characters because again, this was a true ensemble story.
1: It was. I mean it's over a two-hour movie but it just keeps going. There's so much in this movie.
0: Well, and there was never a spot where I felt, okay, this is where they pause for a breather. Mm -hmm. Now we get back to the story. Or, okay, this is Thor's few moments. Now it's Black Widow's few moments. I mean, Mm -hmm. there were a couple of places where each got their, their time in the sun. But never at a point where I felt, well, golly, you know, this other guy is just not getting used.
1: Right. And, you know, like when Black Widow had her scene interrogating Loki... Mm-hmm. Those two were the only ones on screen. It was clearly their moment to shine, but it was in service of the movie. So it didn't feel like this is their moment.
0: What's interesting is she got her moment um, with, with Loki. Mm-hmm. Thor got his moment. Mm-hmm. Cap got his moment. Mm-hmm. Phil Coulson got his mm-hmm. moment. Fury. Fury got his um, what about, well, the Hulk got his, although it was somewhat animated with me <laughs> slamming him up and down, which, wonderful scene. Loved yes. that. Um, pretty much everybody got their chance mm-hmm. for a, a one-on-one with the villain.
1: Tony had his moment back in the apartment. Yes. Near the end.
0: Yeah. It was.
1: Are we going to talk? No, I'm going to threaten. And have a drink. Yes.
0: But everybody, except Hawkeye. Well, he got. Time with Loki, but in a different way, as just kind of a yeah. minion. Yeah. But everybody kind of got that, that solo moment. And again, with a cast this big, this many characters, mm-hmm. and big name actors. Yeah. Being able to balance things what seemed reasonably, fairly, equitably, and not forced.
1: I was going to say, always in service of the plot, always it, in service of the movie.
0: It felt natural. It yeah. felt right. Yeah. And. At the time, at least, this was like one of the top-grossing films. I think it might have been the top-grossing, uh, adjusting for inflation or whatever. Uh, the other ones that are up there were uh, Titanic and Avatar. Mm-hmm. Not certain if this blew both of them out, but it was at least well in the running, and the only one not by James Cameron. So this really showed that, that Marvel, uh, the the plan they put together for a, a cohesive cinematic universe has really panned out. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is, again, getting the right people on the right movies. Joss Wheaton, great job on this. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to, to Age of Ultron. Um,
1: well, and I liked the layout of the bridge. It took me a while to get that figured out on the helicarrier. And at the end, I finally asked you, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Which is... That the I mean I call them desks, but they were really the, the wells. The console stations. The recessed
0: areas on the bridge.
1: Yeah. They were laid out in the shield emblem.
0: That was one where I think the cinematography could have been better. Yeah. We, Imagine right there at the end,
1: mm-hmm. you've got
0: the scene with with Fury and and Hill. Oh gee, what happens if we need them again? Oh, they'll come back, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a thing. And we're we're looking and that's when we first look kind of at imagine looking at the the from the right angle to see that logo mm-hmm. imagine if they had just panned up the yeah. camera and tilted it down yeah. to really kind of see that
1: yeah because they never really pulled out far enough for you to see both wings at the same time And get the solid feel until there at the end where I'm like, you know, that is what I've been catching glimpses of.
0: Normally we were either from the top of it looking down, so you can't see it, it's upside down at that point, or from the middle section looking at one half. Yeah. But if they had just, again, kind of pulled back a little, they could have ended on the, this is shield. Yes. And that would have been really cool. Yeah. And it was something that in Winter Soldier... We saw a lot of, of helicarriers and stuff, but never really that kind of a shot either.
1: I was going to say, I don't remember being even remotely curious if this was an aspect of the layout of the bridge in Winter yeah. Soldier.
0: No, it was something that, until you mentioned that, it was it was lost on me. And it's like, why go to all that trouble have that really cool aspect and not... Give it just a, a, a spotlight on the film for just a moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, I thought it would have been a great note to end on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um. Again, overall, great film, a lot of fun, solid writing, solid effects, mm-hmm. solid acting. Um, and again, I, I can't stress how much I like how well balanced it was.
1: Well, and I like, and again, this is me, the non-comic book reader, chiming in. So maybe my perception is off, but- I like how well each of the characters, you know, Thor, Hulk, Iron Man, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Fury, how they're being portrayed.
0: They're they're giving good representations. But there was a point with some of the Batman films and stuff like that where it's, oh, they're going to have, you know, all of these villains. And it's like, oh, crap, that means it's not going to be a good film because, well, they got to give Bane a few minutes. They got to give Mr. Freeze a few minutes. They got to give Poison Ivy. They got to give so-and-so Riddler, you know. It's like everybody's got to have at least a 10-minute chunk of film to get their backstory, have a, a moment to do a haha, I'm here to, to mm. r- ruin the day or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like, well, there's no time left for a story. Yeah. You know, whereas here, everything was about the story because they'd already established the characters. Mm-hmm. But they still, they reestablished Tony, uh, Cap, Hulk, uh, mm-hmm. Hawkeye, Black Widow. They reestablished everybody very well. Mm-hmm. in service of the story and again without overshining or overshadowing anybody you know it's nobody got too much screen time or too little screen time other than as we mentioned hawkeye was he's de- unloved he's unloved
1: that's my my summary on hawkeye he's unloved
0: um and black widow is is definitely deserving of the film
1: now i will admit i have avoided all trailers and everything for age of ultron I've been told by people who've seen the trailers that they felt it spoiled too much of the movie. and I can
0: see that. I've seen some of the trailers.
1: So I've just, I've steered clear of all of that. But one of the things I noticed at the end of this movie that has me curious about the next one was, of course, Stark Tower was massively damaged. I was going to say destroyed, but just no, no, damaged. No, no,
0: no. Just, just the logo was massively destroyed. Yeah. 80% of it gone.
1: Yeah. But there was that. A left on the skyline.
0: I expect it to be the Avengers Tower when we see Age of Ultron. Uh, some of the stuff I've seen, because I've seen the footage where it's, you know, can you pick up the hammer kind of a thing. Mm. And it's it's clearly, it seems to be in that sort of a venue.
1: Yeah. And I mean, for me, uh, even not fully knowing, okay, where do the Avengers gather and that kind of thing, I did kind of like seeing that A. As kind of a, so is Tony going to, you know, make everybody welcome at Stark now? He, you know, drove off with Banner, so that was a good sign.
0: And if I recall correctly, uh, Banner is in a cameo in um, uh, Iron Man 3.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: Um, and again, seeing Mark Ruffalo again in Age of Ultron, I think will be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I'm he liking did, he his He did a horror. good
0: job. They, they, He was one they could have done a little more characterization on. Because the, my secret is I'm always angry or whatever. When he transformed at that point, he seemed to be in control
2: Mm -hmm.
0: of the Hulk. Mm -hmm. Or the Hulk seemed to be on their side. Mm -hmm. Whereas other times he was just rampaging. So it it definitely implied a certain, there's a mindset when he goes into the transformation that matters. And again, that's another character where his Hulk technically hasn't gotten a film Although you could argue the Incredible Hulk is this, is clearly the same character, just different actor. Yeah. And I would go so far back as to say the previous Hulk film by Ang Lee mm. uh, with Eric Bana, to me, fits in continuity.
1: Interesting. And what at some he...
0: point, we'll go through and watch all of these. Yeah. A uh, co-worker, I'm not sure where he got it, but he sent me a um, uh, graphic that had, here's the order to watch all the films in.
1: Nice. Because I had been wondering-
0: and with I mean it's okay watch first of uh uh the first Captain America movie then Agent Carter then watch um might have been Iron Man then the first seven episodes of of uh you know Agents of Shield then the second Thor movie the first you know it was just here's watch these episodes of this watch this movie this movie these episodes then you know yeah. that kind of a thing
1: Yeah and so, which are the bonus DVD It didn't mention things? the bonus ones actually okay
0: I think those are kind of sort of out of continuity. Interesting. Um, but now that we've watched this, I think we've got one more episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2 to watch before we catch Ultron. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they've done a, a good job keeping things cohesive, fun, and the brilliance of this shared universe, which is why it worked originally in the comics, is each one sold you on the concept of the next Yes. I like this. Oh, they're doing an Ant-Man. I'll give that a shot. It's part of the same world. Mm-hmm. Versus it's got to sell just on its own merits. hmm And where I think the shared universes have gone wrong, it's like, well, crap, I haven't read all of it. I'm going to be lost. Well, no, you shouldn't be. You could go into the Avengers movie here
1: mm-hmm.
0: not knowing, having seen any of the previous films. Yeah. Oh, he was on ice, I get the idea, we get a re- flashback of Cap's story, okay, up to speed. We get introduced to Black Widow, so if you haven't seen any of the Avengers films, I get it. Iron Man, okay, you've got to take a little bit more on Faith there. They don't really recap him, but he's a guy in a suit of armor, got it. I was
1: going to say, they show you the suiting up and the unsuiting, and the falling out of a building, and having a suit fly to him was kind of fun.
0: Yes, and they clearly tell you multiple times, he's a genius, he's done all this, you know. Um, a
1: billionaire playboy philanthropist. He's
0: exactly very
1: happy with his self-appointed titles.
0: So some through exposition, some through flashback, but I don't think there's a single character here that just in in the movie itself isn't kind of clearly set up uh, and clarified. Yeah. You know, it's easy for somebody to watch uh, an episode of an ongoing TV show I mean, if you've never seen a Star Trek episode in your life and you, you start watching, it's like the demon they, they, they materialize there and they're on the planet. What's, oh, it's a transporter. What the hell is that? You know, or,
2: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like, you, can,
0: you can run with it. You can figure it out. But here again, they put their cards on the table. Yeah. Even though they've had a massive movie franchise leading up to this. I'll be curious to see how much of that they do in Age of Ultron mm-hmm. versus, well, you know, this is a top grossing film of damn near all time. Do they need to? Yeah. And I would say, mm, yeah, you kind of do. It 2012 for that film, 2015 for Age of Ultron, been a couple of years.
1: Well, it was PG-13 three uh-huh. years ago, which means you do have a group of kids who are now getting into the age to take themselves to the movie theaters.
0: I would also think, though, that a lot of people who would do that would do kind of what we just did of go watch the Blu-ray or the DVD. It's... Not like the old days yeah. where, gosh, I miss seeing Star Wars in the theater. Whatever will I do?
1: Oh, whatever will I do?
0: Now it's all uh, Netflix, Hulu, or wherever. I'll mm. go watch the thing. And that's, that's part of why I wanted to do this before just going to the theater. Mm-hmm. For Age of Ultron, is it had been a while since I'd seen this film. I wanted to get back into where it was. In a perfect world, I'd have had time to go through all the films and TV shows in the right order, lead up to it, and just keep going and if they ever cut the cord and say okay the cinematic universe is over let's start anew and at some point they will have to yeah actors age out they want to do different takes whatever um it would be fun to to kind of keep that timeline going and start at the beginning and 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 watch it all in order and see if it plays out yeah cuz i i mean at some point we're going to rewatch the iron man films the hulk films all of them we'll do episodes on them eventually I made a list of what I've got in my DVD Blu-ray collection, which is probably around a thousand movies big at least. Um, and I came up with a list of a 100 or 200 films, uh, some of which I've got stacked up uh, over there um, that we could if if time were not an issue, mm-hmm. we could just plop another one in and record, plop another one in and record for probably the rest of a year. figuring two hours or so to to watch another hour or two to record so you really wouldn't get more than maybe two done a day if this was a full-time job and it's not yeah um and if we had absolutely nothing else to do which is also not the case plus whatever editing time i mean it would take us a while to get through all these so if people have ideas as to what they would like prioritized over others by all means chime in definitely Um. we still want to do the electra film but that's kind of on the back burner um, I want I want to go through the 13 episode Netflix uh, Daredevil series
1: So do I I'm very curious about that
0: That's one that I've heard does tie into age of Ultron but it's kind of a minor tie-in interesting so but we'll find out when we watch age of Ultron hopefully it's not anything that'll ruin things I doubt it be foolish if it was yeah um but yeah this to me fun film uh enjoyed it a lot good action film mm-hmm. again has a couple of things they fight a lot you know whatever the bicker. Well,
1: then- Honestly, I enjoyed it more the second time because I knew what I was going in for. I had, I think, more realistic expectations this time.
0: I think I enjoyed it more this time as much because I kind of knew the big picture going in, a couple of things to go look for. Again, I felt they sold Loki's plot better to me this time. Um, But I was also going into this tonight afraid that, geez, they're going to spend so much time building it up. Are they ever going to get together? They're going to fight. and I I already knew, again, the basic plot, so that didn't bother me. And it was much more balanced than I thought it was going to, than mm-hmm. I recalled it being or thought it would be. Because, mm-hmm. again, that, part of why I keep harping on that is that's such a tough thing to do.
1: Oh, it is. Yeah.
0: You know, five or six main characters, plus supporting cast, plus the villain, plus the plot, et cetera. Um, as good as the, the cinematography was, the filming and the directing, the writing mm-hmm. is what really made this work. Yeah. And I'm expecting the same, if not better, out of Age of Ultron. Excited for for uh, uh, James Spader as the voice of Ultron. Adding in uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, Quicksilver, uh, Vision, uh, uh, War Machine, Iron Patriot or whatever. So bigger cast, more excitement. Should be a lot of fun. Cool. Anything else on this? Or does that pretty much do it?
1: I think that does it.
0: Awesome.